Welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Dunham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode. I'm so happy that you're here. Grateful for you, as always. If you're new to the show, welcome to our community. We've got another amazing conversation for you today. We are talking all about Saturn Returns with Ocean Pleasant. She is an astrologer, content creator, cosmic coach, whose career began in the startup industry. She was on the Forbes 30 under 30 list by the time she was only 18, and astrology found her at a time when she needed a realignment with her purpose. In turn, astrology gave her a path forward to help other people find their purpose as well. Ocean's work is designed to awaken people to their highest expression of self, and she distills the ancient wisdom of the stars to guide us through that process. Ocean helps us to answer some of life's biggest questions around purpose, potential, and love. So enjoy this one. Her story is so interesting. I think a lot of us right now are navigating our Saturn returns, probably if we are in our late 20s, especially, and we have more than one Saturn return, which she will talk about. So um, we cover a lot of different topics, but that's our big one. And I think you're just going to love it. So enjoy this episode. While you're listening, you can find Ocean on Instagram at witchykid and and I'm at Helen Denham underscore and at the Lifted Podcast. So enjoy, and I'll talk to you on the flip side. The first question I love to ask guests is, how do you like to start your day off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to? I, without fail, even though I feel like my Pisces brain wants to do something different every day, I always make a matcha latte. Um, I just discovered a frother, so I feel like I'm making a little potion every morning, which is very motivating to get out of bed instead of just pressing a button on a coffee maker, um, because I feel like a little potions master. And (laughs) then I pull an oracle card that's setting the intention for the day. So I ask, what is something I should be keeping in mind for the day ahead? And, And then I have my skincare routine, but I think the one oracle card a day and my matcha are the things that get me out of bed. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's such a great way to just like get a physical grounding or some clarity as you move forward. I find the oracle cards too just kind of spark like a thought or just something that you might not have even expected to come up and give you this beautiful like ground layer for moving forward. Beautiful. Yeah. So Ocean, as I was reading about you, I just was so blown away by how early you got into not only like entrepreneurship, but music and so many creative outlets. I would just love to know a little bit about your upbringing and how you were raised and what led you into, you know, the entrepreneurial world and and then essentially to where you are now. So I was raised by a single mother who had me quite young. And I think from the get-go, there was this attitude of if you had a dream, you needed to bootstrap it. There was a period of time where she was working three jobs and producing the news at ABC and then coming home on her breakfast break to drive me to school. And when I was older, she started painting these big modern abstract paintings and secured a few different deals with hotels to do the paintings in the lobbies. And through the money that she made through art, she self-financed a yoga and culture magazine um, based on her experience 
um, going to school for journalism and working in the news industry. And so essentially my childhood was either us traveling the world for her news stories. I remember growing up uh, one summer, I was so bummed because all of my friends were going to Disneyland and I had to go to Nicaragua to cover the celebration of the Sandinista revolution. And I was like, (laughs) are you kidding me? (laughs) And of course, looking back, I'm so in awe that that was my life experience. But when you're seven years old, you're like a little bit bummed that everyone else is getting to go on Splash Mountain and you're living in a treehouse while a shaman babysits you. Uh-huh. So, uh, and so from there, uh, we came back stateside. She started the magazine when I was in middle school. And I remember transitioning into high school. And the decision was, because we had a small business, there was going to be a split of priority and time and opportunity. And I was helping out with the design. I was schlepping magazines around town on my bike. We were very much like this dynamic duo. And so I opted for homeschooling for high school so that I could be more involved with the business. And it quickly rose in community demand. Um, It was accepted into nationwide distribution at Whole Foods. And so the first magazine she launched is Origin Magazine, which is now more home lifestyle wellness. And so that was kind of my life for high school was like self-studying, doing an online program. But in addition to math and science, she was also sliding the power of now and the secret into my reading list, you know? So right. uh, Sundays were spent at a static dance and knowing my sign was as commonplace as knowing my hair color. Like these things were just um, so imbued in my upbringing that when I got closer to 17, I kind of wanted to radically shift and do a 180 and switch to something. I was like, I'm tired of this hippie shit. I want to try something else. And so at that point with the information and resources I had accrued kind of growing up in this family business, I started my own magazine and it was conscious youth culture to fill the gap on the newsstands that was typically either super left brain skewed towards a masculine audience or prom dresses and nail polish and sex tips. And this was pre-teen Vogue turning social activism. So there was really nothing on the stands that spoke towards young women who wanted more, who wanted an intersection of those things. And it was called real youth culture. And so Essentially, I scaled that national first youth magazine Whole Foods has ever accepted and really went on this entrepreneurship track, moved to New York City at 17, got into this program for young entrepreneurs, was raising venture capital, built an app, very different from, again, jungles and shamanic ceremonies and, and, you know, Sunday aesthetic dance. Um, And so it took it took a couple years to realize that I was just existing in a pendulum swing and that my real self was going to land somewhere in the middle. So I did feel like I lived a thousand lives in the first 20 years and then found astrology and came back to my love of music and fast forward to present day, my work and life is a fusion of those two things. Beautiful. So how did you start to really cultivate your understanding of astrology? Was that that was sounds like it was already in your your awareness and you were talking about it a lot. But when did you take your astrology practice to the next level? 
I remember being 11 years old and running into the bookstore to the occult section and finding a compatibility book to look up me and my crush. So astrology had always been to some degree in my mind, a framework that I had been exposed to very young, but it was all self-study hobbyist type of information. And around age 15, I met Deborah Silverman for the first time. And we stayed in touch over the years. We had um, family and friends in common. And essentially, she invited me to enroll in her astrology school when I was 20. This was at a point where I had just gone through a major Saturn transit. I had decided to exit the business and a relationship sell everything and move cross country with no plan, which is very indicative of Saturn for my astro lovers out there. And I was looking for something new. And I thought it was a really full circle moment that of course, I'm going to come back to the quote unquote hippie shit that I had just carved out a whole life in Soho to kind of escape. (laughs) And my appreciation resurfaced, my love for it deepened. I went to school for it from ages 20 to 22, launched my practice at age 23 when it became full-time. And yeah, that's been the the process of getting back into it. Mm -hmm. How have you seen astrology like help you make decisions and how has it shaped your life in more like tangible ways that have really helped you to understand like, wow, this is kind of a roadmap and and a really essential part of understanding how to navigate life. I think it was really helpful to spend time in a super binary technology, largely masculine male industry of technology and media for a while, because seeing this full spectrum of the human experience allowed me to realize that astrology didn't need to be a belief system in order for it to work for you. And I think when I was little, I saw a lot of this kind of hyper-spiritualism that just accepted everything as blind fact. And then I went into an industry that was incredibly left brain. And so when I landed somewhere in the middle, what I often say is when a skeptic comes to me and says, I don't believe in astrology, I laugh and say, me neither. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and the reason for that is that it's not meant to be a belief system. It is in some factions, in some interpretations. It's been around for thousands of years. So everybody has their own approach. But mine is that it's a framework. The same way that when you check the weather app, right, it's letting you know that there is a chance of rain. So you can be better prepared as you embark on your journey for the day. And it's the same thing with transits. It's not dictating a set of events where your free will is nullified. It's saying, hey, there's gonna be an energetic forecast that you might wanna be aware of. How you handle it, how you navigate it is up to you. Pack a raincoat or don't, but just letting you know what to expect. And using astrology as a framework allowed me even retrospectively to understand that I've been operating on divine timing, even at my lowest moments, even at my most confused. And there's just something incredibly profound about knowing that you have this cosmic safety net. Even when you can't see it, you're just held there. And 
Um, so that's really my work is reminding people of how they are cosmically held in their own lives. Oh, I love how you describe this and the comparisons that you're making. It makes so much sense because it really does help to have a raincoat before you go out in the rain, for example, so that you're like, okay, it's going to rain. Maybe I can have some fun in the rain or just like navigate it a little differently than just getting downpour and like, uh oh, now you're wet and unhappy. It's like, okay, you can expect it and you can prepare for it and return to whatever practices are helping and healing you. But yeah, I feel the same way that it has deeply strengthened my faith in um, being held and supported by forces, you know, seemingly unseen. And it's just like this constant like wink from the universe that everything's okay and it, it is going to plan. And I think it's so helpful to, you know, bring up your reminder again that like even at our lowest points, it's still been part of our roadmap leading us to our maybe purpose, I don't know what you would call it, or to our, you know, our journey throughout this lifetime in particular. How do you perceive like your soul's journey, I guess? Do you kind of subscribe to the soul's blueprint? And and how do you perceive, you know, why we're here? What's going on? So I do prescribe to the idea that the chart is a roadmap. And even when you're looking at a regular map, right, there are so many different ways to get to the same destination. But when it's the difference of using like to not know astrology to me is to confine yourself to a paper map and to use astrology is to have the Waze app that immediately calculates the fastest way to get there. And so people are going to get where they're going karmically, no matter what tools they're using. <laughs> but it's like, you know, the exponential level up when you have astrology as a tool in your tool belt. I mean, I've seen the unbelievable impact in my own life, but also in I guess, the hundreds of readings that I've done since I started this, where I'm like, holy moly, I wouldn't even be able to recognize you now after you've integrated this tool. And, and so there are indicators in a birth chart that let us know what are your gifts and what are your growth edges? Like what are the stories that you came here to rewrite and which are the stories that you are meant to lean into? And so it's always fun to explore that in my own chart and with other people because I always say I'm never telling you anything you don't already know. I'm just a stranger you found on the internet as third party confirmation that everything you intrinsically know from source is true. Mm -hmm. And and that's such a gift to be able to play that kind of third party and go yes your life lesson is dot 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 that feeling in your gut that you've been wrestling with for 10 years that voice really deserves to be heard you have permission to lean into that being able to facilitate permission for people to embody their birth charts is one of the most surreal experiences of my life and I think that's why I love it so much Mm -hmm. This is why I consider astrologers to be some of our greatest healers, because it is what you do. You offer us validation and comfort and, you know, just essentially like you're okay. It's going to be okay. You're not like floating through the universe without this purpose. And you're not just this like mistake that happened. Like your life has meaning and purpose and it's going to be okay. So I think that's just such a beautiful offering and also a reminder, like to trust our intuition. Like you were just saying, like every time I've worked with an astrologer, they'll say, oh, did something with your mom happen when you were like 14? I can see that on your chart. I'm like, yeah. So it's just like, okay, so that explosion, like we were talking about it. And before we started recording, it's like, 
it's, it's so helpful to have that validated. Um, mm. So we were also mentioning, you know, something we're going to get into today a little bit is talking about Saturn returns and the energy around that, because I know a lot of our listeners are around the same age and um, either have just gone through it or maybe about to go through it. So can you enlighten us on what to expect with a Saturn return? And for those of us who really don't know anything about it, just give us a, a little intro on what is a Saturn return? What's going on with the energetics there? Absolutely. This is one of my favorite topics. And I actually have a container that holds people for an entire year through this transit because that's mm -hmm. how big of a deal it is. So Saturn in your chart represents your karmic life lesson. It is the theme that is going to come up the most repetitively, that is always going to be notched in the background of your mind. It laced into your life actions, into your circumstances and events. When you become aware to your Saturn life lesson, you start to notice it everywhere. And now there's a spectrum of being either you came into this life to learn that Saturn placement, or you came in with it already super evolved and you're learning how to soften it a little bit and find a balance. And so for this example to work, right, we might have someone with Saturn and Aries, Aries being super confident and forthright. Someone with Saturn and Aries is either here to learn how to stand their ground and take up space and say what they mean and self-advocate. So as a result, they might be shy, conflict avoidant, you know, resistant to being seen, or you might have someone with Saturn and Aries who is incredibly headstrong, has no problem telling people to, you know, F off and needs to learn the art of diplomacy. Okay, checking in for a moment to let you guys know that I'm hosting full moon circles every month. I am so excited about this. I've really been wanting to create a space for us to come together in circle and just talk about what we're navigating together, what we're experiencing and get some clarity in community like that. So I'm going to be pulling oracle cards for us. We'll do some journaling prompts. We will do a guided visualization journey together, which is essentially a hypno journey and it'll be an hour long, $15 to join. The next one is on Sunday, October 9th for the full moon, 5 p.m. PST, 8 p.m. EST, and I can't wait to see you in there. So I'll leave the link in the description below, and as always, if you have any questions, just hit me up. I'm here for you. I'm so excited that we're gonna have this space to be together, and it will be every month on the full moon, so get ready for that. Okay, thanks for listening. Back to the episode. So when we know what our Saturn life lesson is, then we can start talking about Saturn through the lens of transits. Because every seven or so years, we have a cosmic checkpoint, which is a transit with Saturn, where our life lesson sits us down that year and basically does a, a performance review, if you will. And it's kind of like hearing your name called on the intercom of life. And they're like, all right, please report to the principal's office. And so if you remember in grade school, when your name is announced on the intercom, you kind of intrinsically know what you're being called in for. No <laughs> one's ever like, huh, I wonder why I'm reporting to the principal's office. And so for that reason, I like to think of Saturn as the high school principal of outer space. <laughs> because he's he's really just doing a job, but people have created this story around him because most people visit him when they're in trouble, but he's not actually a bad guy. <laughs> I love that. And so when you report in, right, 
you're either, oh my gosh, congratulations, you aced your SATs, you get to skip a grade, or you qualify for, you know, financial aid, or there's some amazing opportunity because you've been acing your work. Or you just flunked your last midterm, and they're telling you that they're holding you back a grade. Mm-hmm. And so Saturn returns can be so varied in experience from getting married to losing everything, from getting a book deal to literally feeling like you've lost your identity and your sense of self. And it is no right or wrong answer. But ultimately, every seven to eight years, you have a check in with Saturn. And the question becomes, how well have you remained aligned to the life lesson that your soul signed up for how conscious have you stayed how how often do you surrender how often do you challenge yourself to rise to the occasion and if the answer is i've denied this part of myself i've ignored it i've let other people define it for me then saturn is going to usher you into a set of conditions that force you to come face to face with that truth mm-hmm. right Now, if you've been doing the work, which I'm sure many of the listeners on this podcast, this community at large have been, then you get to skip a grade. And it's a profound experience. And it's an up leveling of some kind, which there's always work involved, but the tone is much different. So a Saturn return, right, is the the Mac Daddy of Saturn transits. Saturn moves approximately, for my nerds out there, my fellow nerds, Saturn moves about 90 degrees every seven years, right? So when you're born, that's your natal Saturn. And then when you're about seven years old, it's forming a square. When you're 14, it's a Saturn opposition. When you're about 21, it's another square. And then the full return, that's why it's Saturn return, because it's coming all the way back around, is the sum total of everything you've learned in that cycle. Mm. So it will continue in those increments of seven years for the rest of your life until your second Saturn return around, you know, late 50s and and so on and so forth. So that's really the idea is that every time you check in with Saturn again, you're just better friends with Saturn. It's like seeing an old friend. It's no longer like, oh gosh, I gotta go talk to Saturn. It's like, Saturn, you'll never guess what I was up to the last time I saw you. I finally cut that toxic guy off. I found my dream job and I really learned how to stand my ground. And Saturn's like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy for you. Here's what's next on the cosmic agenda. That's what we want out of Saturn. And I love supporting people in that process of waking up to Saturn. Oh yeah. This is like one of the best explanations I've heard, especially I just finally started to understand what a square is, what an opposition is, and then understand the return. That makes total sense. So I'm going into, I'm going into it in a couple months here. And of course I just drove across the country. (laughs) So everything makes sense doing a whole shift. And it's interesting to think about where I was seven years ago. So I guess I was Mm -hmm. 22 and a lot was changing right there. I had a huge um, evolution around relationships. And I think I went to Thailand that year and started meditation practices. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it would have been around like 2014 era and it was the the energy signature of your chart in your last Saturn transit was all about really shadow work really tapping into a spiritual practice diving deep into your own psyche turning some stones over maybe for the first time in your life is that true 
Oh yeah. hundred percent. This is, that was my, like a big awakening for me. I had been yeah. playing a character for so long and I cut all these cords to the men. I thought that I was supposed to be dating the woman. I thought I was supposed to be like suffocating myself. And that was when I really started solo traveling to get to know myself, um, apart from the influences of everybody else around me. So mm. that was, yeah. And that completely changed everything because like yourself, probably around the same time I was really pursuing music was trying to get into modeling. It was, um, it was very painful, that whole entertainment, uh, sphere for me. So it was a big release, a big release. And I'm, I've still been working through kind of the, um, the, the shadow almost even over the last seven years of releasing everything that the entertainment industry ingrained in me and my mm -hmm. psyche, but yeah. So I'm curious, I'm trying to remember, did you tell me when we began that my Saturn's in Aquarius? I'm like, now I'm curious, where is my Saturn going to be? What's that going to mean? So yes. So your Saturn placement is 29 degrees Aquarius. Now this is always kind of what's funny about really early or really late degree placements is that typically those transits likely straddle multiple years. So you're gonna get really the energy is building. It's not quite there, but it's kind of like when you can smell the rain before it arrives. Yeah. That's the that's where you're at right now. Do you feel it? Oh, I feel a hundred percent. I did this like live yesterday and I was like, the energy feels like you've been in chaos, you're finally standing still. And now all the particles are falling down to settle onto the ground. Like that's how it feels. Like mm -hmm. uh, I think a big project for myself this month is just getting clarity and restabilizing and getting grounded in a new environment and just moving forward with focus. Um, because I feel like it's been a little chaotic recently and now it's settling down. <laughs> Absolutely. And in particular, 2023 is when the rain comes and it's not you know an avalanche flood it's more what I call you know when the sun is out but it's raining that's kind of a, a Saturn moment where you look up and you're like wow it catches you in the moment it really forces you to be present and so for you 2023 is your Saturn return the energy is building you can sense its approach but at a late degree Aquarius placement the spring of 2023 is going to be huge for you. And then a lesson is going to follow up that requires your attention again in the fall. So it's going to be full on like January, February, March 2023. And then it's going to ebb and flow. The energy is going to lighten a little bit as it moves into Pisces, but then it's going to retrograde and it's going to hit zero degrees Pisces. So it's going to be only one degree off your Saturn come October, November of 2023. So essentially we can look at 2023 as your next cosmic checkpoint with the reason you came here and in particular, let's unpack what that means for Aquarius. Yeah. So you came here to be the breaker of chains, to self-liberate outside of other people's ideas of individualism, of success, of sovereignty. Like you came here to learn how to say no at full volume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and does that feel true? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's so interesting how this is all lining up with just themes I've been writing about. Um, personally, it's like my biggest lesson right now is to shed the identity of the people pleaser. 
uh, mm. because I've gotten myself in trouble in the past few months. Just not, you know, I, I always prioritize kindness, but being too friendly just to make somebody like me um, has been kind of biting me a little bit because it's just not necessary. And it's not even mm. authentic, really. If I don't want to be around a particular energy or do something, I don't need to do it. So it's shedding the identity of the nice girl and the people pleaser and still knowing that I am a very kind, good person, but I don't have to say yes to you know, be worthy of that knowing. So mm. yeah, it's, it's absolutely coming up right now as the people pleaser and saying no. Mm -hmm. I love that. And the real power of like a fully, a fully realized Saturn in Aquarius, which is exactly what you're doing, is not demonizing objectivity, right? Not saying, oh, boundaries means that I'm betraying that person, that I'm letting that person down. And as a double cancer, Perhaps something you've had to unlearn is guilt, inherited guilt, perhaps watching the story of your mother and kind of noticing how now in your own life, you are unlearning the idea that you have to feel guilty about anything, setting mm -hmm. boundaries, walking away, self-advocating. Is that true? Yeah, that's very true. I think like I think this is what a lot of us go through is like watching our parents go through something very difficult or, you know, having a certain identity that scares us a little bit and worrying that we're going to become our parents. And mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of the guilt that's been going around is navigating how deeply I love both of them. And then also the aspects that scared me a little bit watching them grow up and be like, how am I going to navigate this when I'm starting to recognize similar patterns? Does that mean I'm becoming what I fear? So that is where some of the guilt comes in. And then also I'm a little bit of a black sheep in my family. I travel a lot. I'm away a lot. Um, so I've felt a pang of like guilt that I'm not around as much perhaps, or just that like I do, I, I think a little bit differently. I'm a little weird and that, and that makes people uncomfortable sometimes. I love that context because for any listeners who have Saturn in Aquarius, you have permission to be the black sheep. You quite literally came here to throw out the rule book and write your own story. And I don't think it's a coincidence that your chart carries a lot of family karma, but that your life lesson is to really be the individual, right? Aquarius is the sign of individualism. It is the philosopher. It's the future pacer. It's the person who's always a few pages ahead of everyone else. And as a result, it's incredibly empowering, but also isolating sometimes from family, from peers. And that service that you have to offer as a result of being the one who changes the rules and breaks the mold and defines sovereignty for yourself with Saturn and Aquarius I really see 2023 being the year that that is absolute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that. I feel like a, a sense of maturity coming in here of just being mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't need permission anymore to be doing what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I will say something that might bring a sense of like, ah, oh, okay, is I'd say nine times out of 10. Cancer Risings came here to heal a story around family. Typically, Cancer Risings have passed or received a matriarchal wound, right? The mother wound. And I'm curious, in your own spiritual journey, have you done healing around the mother wound, healing around the inner child? Because that's very common for Cancer Risings. 
Yes, this is just all happening in the same month. I got a in touch with this wonderful um, medicine man, shaman. He's a diviner. So he studied shamanism, but the, the term he likes to use is diviner. So he uses, you know, ancient African wisdom and this is what he studied. So he and I sat down for the first time together a little while ago, and we talked a lot about how my inner flame, my kind of kundalini from the bottom of my spine and my whole root was blocked. Like my energy was stopping at my abdomen and it has so much to do with the matriarchal line. So he had me um, research all of my grandmothers all the way back and get their names, their history as far back as I could go. And of course, on my road trip across to the East Coast, I stopped at our family farm in Illinois and found all of these records of my grandmothers and everything. And then on the new moon, just the other night, as we're recording this, we just had our Virgo new moon. I went to the ocean and called in the spirit of my grandmothers. I gave an offering to the ocean. I sang to them. So yeah. And there's so many patterns that he, I mean, he intuitively knew that there had been patterns from myself with my mother and my mother and her mother that he referred to as these like spurts of like cold wars where we've had moments in our time where we don't speak for like two weeks at a time. For me, that happened teenage years for her that happened at whatever time, but he's like this, this kind of coldness is being warmed up basically. And a lot of my journey is to like reignite that flame and bring, know that it's also safe to be a woman in my body, which maybe is another journey for me, but activating my feminine energy has been a big journey in itself to be comfortable being in a feminine body is a whole other thing for me. So this is, this is big time work. Yeah. I'm still getting familiar with yeah, the wounding of the feminine and 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 mother lines. And I'm sure a lot of us are going through that as well. It's just part of our unraveling, I think, as a collective too. Women in general are breaking chains uh, in the age of Aquarius. It all kind of makes sense. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating, though, on a more personal level, that the energy was stopping in your abdomen, which is the area of the body that cancer rules. Ooh. And as a cancer rising, the rising sign presides over the body, but it's also called the rising sign because it's what you incarnated to ascend into. That's why it is also known referentially as the ascendant. And so people typically inherit karma, lessons, stories, gifts, physical traits around their rising sign because it's the thing that you came here to rise into. And typically any ascension journey involves healing. So I'm not surprised to hear that in addition to um, him acknowledging the stories around cancer being the sign of the mother and knowing that cancer risings inherit the responsibility of ending matriarchal patterns, <laughs> but also that it rules the physical body and your energy was getting stuck in the part of the body that cancer rules as your ascendant, as your astrological body. That can't be a coincidence, right? <laughs> That's so cool to put that together. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, totally. Wow. And I also don't think it's a coincidence that yes, your sun and rising are cancer, but to have moon in Gemini means that you've inherited the gift of being to articulate the pain, the healing, the story, the journey. So you're able to put words to water, air and water. And that's an unbelievable combination for a healer because you can empathize, you can go deep, your intuition is a lightning rod of information, but your emotional body has the brevity, the lightness of an air sign so that you're not stuck in the water 
but you can actually articulate, you can have this lightness, this overhead point of view that air embodies and put words to the water. And we see that reflected in everything that you do. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's why I'm a podcaster and why I like to I just chat, chat, chat. Usually, like, I think you're absolutely on it with that is like, I always am like, well, I'm a cancer, but I'm not like really emotional. I don't I don't get in there a lot like into I don't wallow. Um, mm. Maybe that's not particularly true, but I feel like it's my Gemini that allows me to just move it out. I move that energy through with speaking it out and just talking. I even do like, you know, I love this recommendation for anybody who likes to kind of release through languages, just turn on my voice notes and I'll just go on a walk and talk for 10 minutes into my voice notes to release it. So maybe mm. that'll be a helpful tip, but, um, I love yeah. that. That's so Gemini. I'm obsessed. <laughs> and another thing too, is cancer is not this wimpy crybaby. It's the cardinal water. It is the only water shine water sign in the leadership modality. And it's really the energy of someone who can hold it all together without losing themselves in the despair, really holding the collective without becoming the trauma that is shared, without conflating your sense of self with other stories. Cardinal energy is the initiator, the leader, and water combined with cardinal energy is unstoppable. So rarely do I actually see cancers who are you know, sob stories and messes, usually they're the mom friend. Usually mm -hmm. they've grown up quickly. They've taken care of everyone else. They've internalized their emotional body, creating blockages, typically around, right, the abdomen, the sacral chakra. And, but I would say that you're right on the money, that cancer is not typically, you know, the, oh, woe is me. It's the I'm going to hold this shit together until the damn freaking breaks or until I have the tools to self-regulate my own water. And that's what you've done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's it, yeah. It makes me feel just so much better. Cause I used to just question, I was like, why I don't really relate to being a cancer yet. I relate a lot more to being a Gemini actually, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's really nice to understand how these all flow in together is there any anything else we should know about a Saturn return and how to kind of prepare for it and navigate for it, like knowing that it's coming? Yes. So in particular, just a quick shout out to my 1994 babes. Your Saturn return is starting 2023. Also, if you have a late degree Aquarius placement like Helen, so that like 28, 29 degrees Aquarius, then you're also, your energy is going to be activated next year as well. But we're looking specifically at 1994 babes who have um, Saturn around zero to seven degrees Pisces. 2023 is the start of your Saturn return. And so if you are turning 29 in 2023, then you can really use the remainder of 2022 to start laying the foundation as if or preparing the guest room in your spiritual house as if you know that Saturn is coming to town right? Instead of letting him come to town and bust the door down, go ahead and prepare him a room, lay some towels on the bed, get a Brita water filter on the desk, get everything set up, light some incense, energetically preparing for the arrival of this energy. Because honestly, Saturn is coming in, whether you prepare for it or not. But 
you have the opportunity with this foresight to be a collaborator with Saturn. That is the utmost form of empowerment that astrology can provide to know what energy is coming, to not feel victimized or confused by it, but instead to go, at this point in my life, where can I surrender to the greatest change for my highest good? Mm. And that is the invocation of any Saturn return. And again, for my 94 people, really, you have this fantastic buffer of a few months to prepare for its arrival. Amazing. Have you already gone through yours or are you about to go through yours? No, I am still a few years out, but the Saturn cycle that I mentioned when I was around 2021 completely turned my world on its axis, but I cannot imagine a timeline in which those changes hadn't occurred. But in the moment I was literally, it's not uncommon to be white knuckling the steering wheel in your <laughs> life going, oh, shit, 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 shit. <laughs> and then you're like, oh my gosh, if Saturn hadn't woken me up, I would have missed my exit. Yeah. Are there any other planets that you love to keep your eye on or that are just like fun for you to study? What other planetary, you know, alignments do you like to look at? I love them all. I think there's a time and place to be really dialed in with each of them. I'd say for anyone who wants to incorporate astrology into more of a daily basis of their lives, you can take the moon as a daily weather report right? Mm -hmm. The moon changes signs every two and a half to three days. And for anyone who, who menstruates, who might plan around the phases of their cycle, adding the moon phases into that, the signs is so important because I, I will intrinsically know, all right, if I've got, you know, a launch coming up, I'm going to schedule it on a, on a, a, a day where I've got moon in Virgo, because for me, I feel the most accomplished when it's lighting up my natal Mars and North node. I'm just so in the zone. I'm not going to do a launch on a Pisces moon day because I'm going to be a little bit tired. I'm going to want to eat ice cream and do my like practice. And I'm not going to want to be behind the computer all day. So really dialing into if you can catalog the flavor of each sign on a daily basis, that's an incredibly intimate, profound way to get a deeper sense of how you are impacted by the 12 signs. And I recommend following the moon to have that added context of what is the flavor of the day. Um, now, we have... I mean, the cosmos are always moving. So there are constant array of transits to be looking at, but it's different for every person because no two birth charts are the same. And with that being said, another thing that we can all kind of keep our keep an eye on until January of 2023 is Uranus retrograde. Now, the importance of outer planets, so Jupiter outwards, is that they move so slowly that it becomes less important about what sign they're in and more important about what house in your chart they reside in. Because you share a Pluto placement with everyone within 20 to 30 years of your age, right? Mm -hmm. What makes it unique to you is what area of your chart that transformation and rebirth energy lands in. I met a guy who had Pluto in the first house and had literally lost an arm in war. The first house being the body, Pluto being transformation. So it can be quite literal. 
Wow. So, right? I always think of Pluto as a little wrecking ball, which is not very nice, but I'm like, what is Pluto doing? I don't like it. Yeah, I think really transformation though. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And no matter what planet you're, you're investigating in your own chart, the biggest perspective shift that deepened my relationship to my chart and my understanding of astrology is recognizing that free will is the source code. So I changed the perspective into, I am in collaboration with each of these planets. None of this is happening to me. So what can I do to meet these energies halfway, right? Maybe this is the Aries in me, a little competitive. I'm like, I want to do the lesson. I want to be first across. The, I want to, and it's like, hold on a minute. I'm just want to be proactive about what my soul came here for, so that I'm not, you know, in the cosmic waiting room, you know, and going, damn, I really wish I had done that. I really wish I had listened to that voice, right? Um, I don't want to get sent to the back of the line to have to learn how to speak my mind again with my Aries rising. I want to do that now, so I can get a new a new draw when the time comes so inviting a spirit of collaboration with the planets is so profound because it goes from a state of oh my gosh what's going to happen to how can i make the most of this transit yeah which i appreciate so much you were just giving that example of working with the moon and like you know one day you're going to be like at a slower pace and relaxing more And I think that's so important to like internalize because sometimes we can be hard on ourselves for not being go, 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 or on the same way every day when it's just not natural to be in that cycle. Like we go through the same cycles as nature. It makes sense if we've got a day or a week or a month where we're in a different season of, you know, energetic alignment where we might need to be hibernating for a few days. And it's not always the time to, to be launching, launching, launching. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. That's why it's like, it's so nice to be in touch with astrology because it once again, gives you that validation and that permission to just follow your flow and let that be okay. Absolutely. And what I also love about that is just to open another brain tab right now is like you said, we are completely in sync with nature. And that's why the most common pattern of menstruation is the new moon, to bleed under a new moon. I'd say, I think statistically, around 60% of people who menstruate bleed under a new moon. It's, it's astronomically high. It is the majority, because that is the fertility cycle of nature. Even if you were to buy a farmer's almanac, the dates of the month where they suggest planting a new crop is always going to be under the new moon. Mm -hmm. And so our spiritual interpretation of that is, oh, a new moon is when I'm planting new seeds, I'm setting new goals. But even if you went up to a farmer and you opened the farmer's almanac, that's the day where he's literally planting new seeds. (laughs) Yeah, this is what I love too. It's like, to your point of it not being a belief system, it's so literal. It's like the gravitational pull of the moon is affecting our tides, like our entire planet. Like, And we're so much water. Of course, it's affecting us. It's like, it's just science at some point. Like, you know, so you kind of think about the gravitational pull of the bigger planets like Jupiter or like how that affects us. I always think about like how 
literally that that pull and that energy as us like as organic beings and matter communicating across these you know dimensions how mm. that really grounds in and how it applies to our life absolutely mm-hmm. and to really use that as a framework then to go whatever starting point you're at getting into astrology whether you've been doing it for 20 years or you're just now learning where is my saturn placement right i think sometimes we inherit the patriarchal resistance because to me what i think is so fascinating is the same people who are like oh astrology isn't a science are completely shut down from exploring this new modality which is the beginning of any established science is experimentation. So it's weird to me that some of the most closed-minded people are also the most like, that's not real. It's like, well, if you are so committed to science and you are so committed to evolution, then why are you closed-minded? And I think a great example of this is Carl Jung, who is the godfather of modern psychology, was also an astrologer. It is well-documented that he did the birth chart of every client he ever had. But that's been written out of the textbooks. That's been wiped as cleanly as it can be from Western medicine and our Western approach to psychology. And I think that that's fascinating Mm -hmm. that astrology has been one of the oldest modalities that has been repurposed, repackaged, and inspired so many other tools and forums. But it's like, no, we're not going to platform astrology. Like, no, we're not going to legitimize that. It's like, oh, so you can use it for the DISC method and that conglomerate for your training day. And you can use it for Myers-Briggs and you can use it for human design and you can use it for actual psychology, but we're not going to platform astrology. And it's finally shifting. I just got a sponsored ad from the U.S. Army about what role in the army you should have based on your sign. I kid you not. What? (laughs) That is so cool. And it was a little scary. It's like, okay, like astrology is ours. Like you don't get astrology. Like what are you doing here? Get out. But it was so funny to me. I actually thought it was a meme at first. And then I saw it was the official army account. And it was like, if you're a cancer, you would excel as an army medic. And I'm like, oh my God. Just imagining a copywriter for the US Navy Googling (laughs) preferred professions for each sign and putting it into a post. It was the funniest thing I've seen, but it's proof that astrology is permeating every level of the collective consciousness even the social media team for the U.S. Navy. (laughs) I'm obsessed with that. I love it. I love how like funny and ironic it is. It also reminds me of like, you know, I remember being in New York City like a decade ago and and Lululemon was becoming really big and all the, you know, girls were going to their yoga class and it was kind of being made fun of like everybody's going to yoga. It's this like trendy thing that everybody's going to meditation now. But I was like, at least they are. At least they're going to meditation. At least they're going into yoga. Wouldn't we like our influencers to be mindful people and like be a little bit more in touch, even if it seems a little silly and annoying on the outside? Like, I just love it, you know, and we'll go through another wave of this, whatever the next thing is, and we'll kind of keep evolving together. But if it gets us to question ourselves and the the nature of life, 
I am just here for it. So if the U.S. Army wants to get into astrology and like we stop fighting and killing each other, like might as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I hope that that's an end outcome at some point. But unfortunately, I do feel like astrology is being a little bit polluted by this clickbait grab of, oh, like this thing that we've been ostracizing for so long the people who put in the time and energy to really create devotional practices and really honor and respect this, those people who've made it big again, all of these corporations from, you know, Old Navy to the US Navy are creating astrology inspired content. And while I agree that there's no wrong way to get into it, I think from the perspective of these corporations, it is frustrating to see kind of just the clickbait train where the same verbiage is recycled over and over. It's like, how many more times can we hear that Virgos make lists, you know, because it's almost watering down in the collective consciousness. People who aren't into it are seeing the clickbait, seeing the recycled verbiage and going, oh, see, I knew astrology was bullshit. They're all just saying the same thing. And I'm more than that. I'm more than my sun sign because it's just we're in that pendulum swing of for so long it was taboo and now everyone is talking about it but it's incredibly watered down and we're gonna level out at some point um but to your point who are we to gatekeep how people begin their spiritual journey maybe it is with the u.s army astrology post who knows Well, you make a really good point because it's a form of like appropriation at some level. It definitely gets to that point where these are like sacred traditions and every, including yoga. Like it's, it's that it it was the way of getting the body into meditation, a very sacred practice that turned into like, you know, a pop culture kind of thing. So I totally see that lens of where things get appropriated. We see it across race and different cultures and people. It's like just kind of stripping back the essence of something that is really sacred and has so much meaning to it. So yeah, like, yeah, like you're saying a pendulum swing. So there's got to be some kind of balance where it can be like, you know, really honored and and thought about intelligently, but I don't know what's, what's going to bring that to light, but we'll just let it play out. We will let it play out and yeah. we will be here when people want more resources to dig deeper. Totally. Okay. So ocean, tell us about how people can work with you, what programs you have going on right now, everything. Yes. So my bookings are open. If you'd like to work one-on-one with a reading, whether you've never had your chart done before, or you want to get a new perspective. And I also have a monthly subscriber system for people who are studying astrology or just want to be more in sync with the moon, want to learn about new topics. Um, So you can subscribe for four drop-in classes with me a month for $44. And we do a new moon circle, a full moon circle, one monthly beginner class, and one monthly advanced class. So you can satiate your love for astrology in a bite-sized capacity that works for you. Oh, I love that. I want to maybe get you back in like six months if you're open to it, because there's so much more I want to ask you, like even about business, like it's so cool to see how you've built your business, everything. Um, But and then what's your website again for people who are listening? It's witchykid.com. And my Instagram is at witchykid. Perfect. And I'll link that in the description below too. Thank you so much for being here. Like it's such a gift to have you here and you've explained astrology and in the most refreshing way that's like really easy to digest and understand and like deeply feel into. So I really appreciate all the work that you're doing and for being here. 
thank you so much for having me, Helen. It was a privilege to get to meet you. All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us today. I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life couple more notes on my end. I have a free workbook for you. It is five tools that you need to start your subconscious healing journey. They are really beautiful introspective workbook prompts for you to navigate. That's also linked in the description below. So enjoy that. And then for everything else, just head over to HelenDenham.com. If you've been curious about working with me in a private one-on-one mentorship, you can explore that offering. Um, Reminder about the full moon workshop coming up on Sunday, October 9th. That's going to be so fun. And uh, I think that's it for now. I love you so much. Have a beautiful rest of your day or your evening, wherever you are. Thank you for being here. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye for now.